Hello, and welcome back to the SCP, co- SCP podcast. We're good Fucking at this, as you whatever. can tell. We've had a lot of practice, and we still get it wrong. Yes, as always. I feel yeah. like I fuck up the intro every single time, yep. and that's okay. Sorry for um, missing last time. It was um, the holidays and the worst. <laughs> yes, timing is fun. Even today, timing is fun. And there's so only, we're just going to... Imagine if there's more than two of us. Yeah, oh my Never. God. I don't, yeah, I don't think we could handle that. Um, we can't even handle this, so, uh, we're just gonna get right back into it. We're still doing, um, fucking the Cool War. We're probably not gonna finish it today, to be honest, but we'll get, we'll see what we get. Six parts (laughs) is a fine amount. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, so the first one, the first one we're, we're starting at today is snipped from the same cloth, um. At, at this point, I don't remember where we've left off at. I think just, like, the either. aftermath. I think it was just the think, aftermath yeah, of was, what happened. There was the big thing, and then there, they captured a bunch of the guys, and then the guys got out. Yeah. The goons. Uh, I think that was about it. Yeah. So. The goons right. escaped. <laughs> Snipped from the same cloth. I'll start this one off. Okay. Pico Wilson sat in the middle of his corpse pile. What would you do with the powers of a god? The corpses remained silent. This is partially because they were uncertain of how to answer, but mostly because they were dead. Most people can't handle it. Some people would go out and solve world hunger, cure poverty, disease, inequality. Some would turn the world into their personal playground, wreaking havoc or destruction. Some people would just hide away, fearing what they might do if they lose control. Pico jumped from the pile of bodies, landing like a cat on the wooden floorboards. He had picked a long, a, he had picked a long abandoned building as his new home. Mites scuttled around the walls, water slowly leaked from rusty pipes. It's like this, right? If you make someone a god, if you give them power over reality and an undo key, absolve them of all responsibility or fear of retaliation, you stop caring. You can solve any problem by clicking your fingers, and everything just stops being fun. Existence itself becomes joyless. The corpses remain silent. 70%, according to the books. That's how many gods kill themselves. Sorry, reality benders. That's how many defied glorious beings decide to rage quit reality. It's scary, isn't it? Scary that beings like that think that the world we live in just isn't worth it. Seventy percent figure it's easier on them just to stop thinking. Forever. With numbers like that, how can ants like us compare? With people as great and powerful as that, how the fuck do I justify continuing my own existence? How does anyone? The corpses remain silent. Pico paced pensively. The answer is simple. To keep people sane, to keep them satiated, to keep them static, you need to give them problems. Problems that they care about. Problems that they can't solve trivially. It's like you take a math professor and give him a bunch of addition problems. He could do it all, sure, but he wouldn't, because it's not fun. No, he'd move on to algebra, and so we gave him them. We give him the more advanced stuff, solving for x, and he gets bored of that. So we pump it up a bit. So we give him functions and sets and transfinites and transcendentals and imaginary numbers and quaternion. <laughs> oh my God, quaternions and all sorts of nonsense and other fucking bullshit. But once they understand it, they'll get bored. People always get bored, so you need to mix up the problems. You need to change, right? You need to change the solutions to old problems. You get it? The corpses remain silent. So they figure it's all below them, or whatever, and they off themselves like whiny little kids. But you see the big man in the sky. He didn't like this, right? And so he sent down, well, I I don't know what you call him, the holiest of all men, I think, a personal messiah. So there was a stupid little doctor who was messing around, and the man up there, he takes a gander at what's going on. The doctor looks up at the creator of all the fucking universe, and he's... And he says, making life. The doctor carries on and doesn't realize it, but the guy upstairs tweaks one of them a little bit. And he turns it into a man called Red. Mr. Red, if you'd believe it, 
And Mr. Red comes down and teaches people the most important lesson. The only lesson worth teaching, right? The only problem that keeps changing. The only way you can deal properly with being a god is being your own problem. Is hating yourself. Is being contrapositive to your own soul and going absolutely, unforgivably insane. Red's like Jesus, right? And the man in the sky is the one who named him. It's a really clever little thing because his name's kind of derivative of his own. Personally, I think it's a touch too obvious. Mr. Red, the Scarlet King incarnate. The corpses remain silent. No gasping? No shocked face? Tough crowd, you lot. That was quite a twist, you know? That's what the world's built on. Revelation on revelation without any real grip beneath. But I digress. So, Mr. Red, right? He comes down and he's basically Jesus, but the real one. And he, teach, he tries to teach people how to handle godhood, yeah? He tries to teach people, but they don't listen, right? So, Red made me sure... It made sure that me and my brother listened. Now, my brother, he's a huge fucking heretic. He wouldn't listen to the word, right? But I did. I listened, and I listened good. And so here I am, passing on the word, trying to get people to listen, and they never do. You're all stupid. Too stupid to go mad. I could handle Godhood, right? I could totally handle it, I think. Pico spun around just as the janitor appeared at his door. What do you think? The janitor started to move towards him, raising his hand towards Pico's throat. I reclaim the title of the, of the snipper. The janitor stopped walking, lowering his arm. The snipper frowned. Ah, that still got you. How sad. Why aren't you free? I am free. No, you aren't. We've been over this, remember? We've been over this. The snipper walked over to the janitor. So, how does this shit work, hmm? Out of sub subservience to anyone whose name begins with the... Because if that's it, this is seriously ripe for abuse. There is silence. The janitor remained silent. You're not free, see? You're not. Anyway, I, I was in the middle of something. Sit down until I finish ranting. The janitor crouched and sat cross-legged on the floor. He looked up at the frowning madman in front of it, ra raspily breathing through its gas mask. Okay, anyways. Something about, uh, satiation. Yes. See, uh, all that people need to be happy is never to be happy. Seems fucking stupid, but so are people. So say you've got a shitload of people, all of them being unfairly endowed. And I'm not talking about the size of their cock here, but their crazy powers. Seven of ten off themselves, so what are the other three to do? See, the big bad man had them all occupy each other's time, and my brother, the heretic, didn't really fancy that. So he went off and had this big, elaborate bullshit plan to kill him. Then I walk in and blow some brains out like nobody's fucking business. The janitor remained silent. Pico stalked around the sitting black figure treading on its midnight trench coat. It was at that point that I realized, perhaps, I'd made a fatal error. I only wanted to free you, you beautiful thing, and the fact that this one man was a sing was the singular uniting force behind the three most powerful paramilitary organizations. Our, metaphor our metaphorical three people left completely slipped my fucking mind. Of course, I also did the thing with the slime, which you ended up stopping, unfortunately. It would have been so impressive, a nice self-cauterizing wound. Now everyone wants to kill me, which I think is a bit of an overreaction. <coughs> Excuse me. Vigo walked over and flopped, face first into his pile of dead bodies. He spoke again, words muffled and incomprehensible, while the janitor sat and stared. The snipper leapt out of his pile again, holding a decapitated, decapitated head in his hands. You good there? I'm, yeah, dude, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. You know what I despise most of all? Trying to get it to make sense. Nothing makes sense. No point in trying to understand any of it. Accept it and move on, you know? It doesn't matter if it's coherent or not. The janitor remained silent. The snipper jumped over and sat down in front of it. Can I take your mask off? No. Don't move. Pico pushed his hand into the janitor's neck, running his hands down until he hit the base of the mask. It dutifully stayed immobile as Pico pulled the mask up, breaking the airtight seal, 
stretching the black rubber until the filter moved up and over its head. Just as the mask moved to expose a thin, pink-lipped mouth, the janitor stood, kneeing Pico forcefully in the face. It turned and ran as Pico wiped blood from his freshly split lip. Right. You're just the mask. Masks on masks on masks. Fucking hell. He stood up again, reclining into his body pile. He flipped out a phone from his pocket, tapping his screen absentmindedly. At this point, it's just utterly devoid of impetus. Things are happening, but it's, well, there's nothing behind it. There's no depth, it's all just collapsed in and of itself. There's too much going on. Time to make terrible decisions. Two, brother. 16 Hartford Street, come beat the shit out of me or whatever. Two, sculptor. 16 Hartford Street, I'm all that's left. Two, the fuckwad brigade. 16 Hartford Street, this is the sniffer, hello. Two, janitor. Shit's gonna hit the fan. It's not even worth it anymore. Just finish it. He threw his phone to the opposite wall, breaking it into pieces. Pico snuggled amongst his bodies, drifting in a dreamless sleep. Middle of one is a cancer recruited. Middle of two is a cancer cured. Middle of three is a cancer's core. All above a madman board. I'm so sorry, and that probably sounds really bad, but I'm not editing it out. Um, <laughs> funny. I was trying, to, I was so, I was, I felt it coming, and I'm like, I, I was trying to hold it till right to you ended, but I couldn't. Okay, so I think we need to talk about this a little bit. Because uh, I read this and I feel like I did when I was watching uh, fucking Primer. <laughs> so, I think I understand what this is. Okay. The janitor is mm-hmm. subservient to anyone with a title. Yes. Pico had given up his title but reclaimed it as a sniffer. Mm-hmm. His brother was the clipper or whatever. Um, yeah. And he sent an email to him, so I guess he's kind of not dead. Uh, he's yeah. talking about, guys, Mr. Red, Scarlet King, who is like a big religious thing that I still forget completely what it is, but Mr. Red is the Jesus of the Scarlet King, is I think how it's, how this, like, set of tales yeah. is interpreting it. Um, the janitor is nobody, and wears a mask, mm-hmm. is I think how it is, and also cleans up after the artists when they fuck up. Yeah. Um, but he's nobody. He's after the three most powerful organizations. I think in this it said it was saying I know he was in a lot, like during that one where it's like nobody died. Nobody mm-hmm. dies or whatever. Um where it was I mean the foundation, I believe. Wondertainment, definitely, Chaos Insurgency, and I think there was some others. I don't remember. But yeah. basically everyone that they hadn't already taken care of him and he's like i wanted to free you and the slime which i think is that slime that uh its whole its whole thing is the article was just like don't let it touch corpses Mm -hmm. um and that was all that it was because series one but (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think that's what and also this guy's like giving up yeah, he's just like, all right, whatever, time this to whole have rant some about fun. How, like, you have to be your own worst enemy, and then he's like, no, I'll just have these other guys be my enemy instead, and tells them where he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sculptor is part of the, like, group that split off with the Clipper, I believe. Janitor, uh, brother, I guess. Uh, fuck Wad Brigade. We'll see who that is. And then the next yeah. is Brotherhood. I'm guessing from the title that his brother gets there first. Yeah. There are several... Um. Oh, this one starts. This one starts with a note. This is part twenty-one of a twenty-three part series. Reading this part first is a very bad idea, and will spoil a lot of the story. This is interesting. Yeah. So there are there are breaks every so often. So I think you and I should just um, alternate. 
alternate between the breaks, yeah. between the line breaks, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. So and you it, can start with and, this one. And yeah, then... and add a break anytime if you want to, like, stop and discuss, we can do it then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so, yeah, this one's called Brotherhood. You can go ahead and start that off All at right. the top. From Pico, 16 Hartford Street, come beat the shit out of me, or whatever. That's the one that he sent to his brother. Uh, Ruiz Duchamp stared at the message blankly. Uh, Carol, can I... Ruiz looked up. Carol wasn't behind the counter. Ruiz stood up, walking deliberately back to his studio. He paced past the foyer, entered the room filled with death traps. His brother had clearly turned self-destructive, the final phase of his antipsychotic withdrawal. Ruiz opened his medicine cabinet, moving his own antidepressants and multivitamins to the side, reaching to the back. He pulled out a small bottle of clozapine, shoving it into his right pocket. He moved into his closet, grabbing a heavy brown bomber jacket. He pulled his elastic uh, band pistol from an inner pocket, clenching it tightly in his left hand. Ruiz sent two texts, then sprinted to Pico's hideout. From Snipper, 16 Hartford Street and Mother's Left. The sculptor sat and thought. Snipper was a reckless idiot, but on the other hand, he was an unpredictable one. Snipper had to be removed from the equation. The sculptor turned to the wall of clay, rubbing his hands in anticipation. Agent Tangerine sprinted down the busy road. Every one of his contacts was gone. His cover was unrecoverable, and his utility had become negligible. He'd be transferred for sure. Back to paperwork, back to normal fieldwork, back to gunning down the bad guys. It was also mind-numbingly simplistic, so boring. Tangerine saw the gallery in the distance. A few quick phone calls, it turned out, were all that he needed. Louise de Champ's studio hadn't moved in years. Stupidity on their behalf for not doing that in the first place, but then there was the assumed lack of carelessness on Duchamp's behalf. Tangerine kept running, dodging a man running in the other direction wearing a brown bomber jacket. He gripped his pistol in his holster tightly as he entered the foyer, turning to the help desk. Panting from the run, he blurted out the question. Duchamp Studio? The man behind the counter gestured further into the gallery. Tangerine turned and walked, slowing his breath. He looked around the corner, finding the room filled with blatant death traps. He tapped Green's number into his mobile phone. Green, I'm at the studio now. Empty. You stay there. We've got a new lead on the snipper. Call me if anything happens. Tangerine's phone beeped as the call ended. He sighed, walking through the room, carelessly moving to sit in an available stool. Then he noticed the fedora sitting on the electric chair. From Metadata Corrupt, 16 Hartford Street. This is the snipper. Hello. All right, boys. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what this guy looks like. We're going in this as blind as a bat. A particularly blind bat, a blind and deaf bat with self-esteem issues. Green paused for effects, looking around at Mobile Task Force Upsilon 18. Admittedly, we don't know he's in there. It is quite possible, and indeed almost certain, that this is a trap of some kind. Yes, Alcorn? Field agent Alcorn put his down his hand, moderately confused. Why are we walking into a trap, sir? Excellent question, Alcorn, with a stupid answer. Because we've got no better course of action. We might have the address of a maliciously artistic psychopath, and if he's been stupid enough to throw us a bone, then we can't not bite. Moving out in ten minutes, gentlemen. Striking while the iron's hot. Alcorn begrudgingly trudged to the locker room. I love the artists. I love this series <laughs> of tales where it's like, yeah, this is probably a blatant death trap. And it's like, from their <laughs> perspective, yeah. Um, and they can just like, you know, kind of erase us. So why are we going in? We've got no better option. Like... <laughs> You do. It's don't go in. <laughs> it's don't. Um, From the snipper, Pico Wilson. Shit's gonna hit the fan. The janitor turned around, emitting a buzzing sigh through its gas mask. Ruiz finished jogging to the abandoned building. Decrepit and crumbling, errant piles of broken concrete littered the street in front of it. Four stories tall, on the outside, at least. Ruiz roughly forced a pick gun into the front door, pulled the trigger a few times, and twisted the handle open. He edged in slowly, closing the door behind him. 
Pico, Rui shouted out to the cavernous room. Cylindrical concrete pylons were distributed throughout. It looked like an industrial warehouse, despite sitting in a dilapidated residential neighborhood. Ruiz listened to his own echoing voice, scanning behind the pillars for motion. Shh, keep your voice down, brother. Ruiz twisted to his left, aiming at the sound source with the, down the wooden sights of his gun. Pico's distorted voice came from a small handheld radio, clearly modified from a children's walkie-talkie, given that it was pink with white flowers on. Ruiz picked it up, pushing the talk button in. Pill delivery service. This is Ruiz speaking. How may I help you? I'm fine without them. They'd kill me. No, no, that's definitely not a thing that's true. You are saying not true things and are also stupid. Allow me to clarify, then. I just consumed ten pills a piece of... Fucking what? Acetalopram and Tupperamit. I down a single clozapine pill, my heart will pretty much explode. Fuck. Anyway, uh, get up to the top level. Snip, snip. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Ruiz pocketed the radio, static still buzzing from its speaker, and walked over to the rough concrete ca- staircase. Cement powder spiraled from the ground with his every step, staining his shoes gray. He jogged up the stairs to the second floor, then the third, and finally reached the fourth. The final floor, unlike all the rest, was almost spotlessly clean. The ground, while still concrete, had been polished and shined to almost flawless levels of, re- of reflection. The pillars, white while still cylindrical, rose and descended into de- decor- decoratively carved ends, an effective mimicry of ancient Greek architecture. And then, sitting comfortably upon a pile of corpses, Pico Wilson stared apathetically at his brother. Ruiz, long time no see. Ruiz leveled his wooden gun at his brother's smirking face. Pico, why'd you kill him? Pico reached into the pile, pulling out an arid hand. This guy? You know who I mean. What, so you don't care why I killed this guy? No. No love at all for Donovan Stillward. You don't want to know why? Really? I don't think there was a reason. He kidnapped, raped, and killed three children. What? You heard me. You're lying. You're an indiscriminate murderer. I never lie, brother. Only art lies, and it's all a lie that makes us realize the truth. And the truth is, the only truth is in art's lies. Stop it. Why did you kill the critic? Do I need a reason? Tell me why. So, just to clarify, you think that I killed the big man for a reason, but not good old fuck kitty fucking Donovan Stillward. Pico waved the corpse's hand for emphasis. Ruiz, your problem is the same as mine. Incoherence. Well, that and a drastically exaggerated sense of self-importance. Not everything happens for a reason, brother. Pico jumped off his pile and started walking towards Ruiz, gesticulating wildly. Ruiz never taking the aim off of his gun from his brother's head. See, the only difference between me, you and me, Ruiz, is that I don't lie about it. You want to know why I killed the critic? You think it had anything to do with you at all? No, brother, no. Nothing of the sort. And as much as you would like to be, brother, you are not the prime mover here, and it's getting under your skin. Pico flipped a butterfly knife from his pocket and started to play with it. Ruiz steeled his expression. Sometimes, Ruiz, things just happen. And it's not because of any reason or any cause. People like to pretend there was a cause, right? They like to pretend that there's always a reason. They like to pretend that there was something that could have been done, and think about all the little things that would have made it turn out any other way. And they sit there tossing and turning, trying to reverse engineer the world, as though finding a solution would retroactively change things. But it doesn't matter. Those are things that have already happened, and thinking about it wastes more time. More things will keep happening, and then it will all just fizzle away into meaningless masturbatory hypotheticals. Pico took the knife and ran it across his chin, scraping air and facial hands without cutting his skin. Sometimes, Ruiz, things just... I don't know how to say. Perhaps I would call it reversion? Sometimes things revert. Have you noticed? Just as though we were living on the edge of a coin. A knife, even. Sometimes things revert and the world feels horribly different. Can you feel it? You felt it, haven't you? Ruiz continued staring down his gun. Pico, having scraped his chin free of hair, started making incisions on the back of his hand. 
We're doing the same thing, always. Alluding to change, but it's not real. It's all static, it's fake. It's fake! Don't you see, brother? We're just playing at, at being gods. What do gods do when they live forever? I'll tell you, brother. They just keep hammering each other on the back. They tell each other that there is a meaning when it's all just easily coined bullshit. And if they're lucky, brother, some gods even get to forget. There's only one truth, Ruiz. Do you get me? You're insane. No, I'm incoherent. There's a difference. Sanity is arbitrary, brother. The consensus of stupid people. Why did you kill the critic? I guess because I could? Ruiz pulled the trigger, sending a supersonic elastic band into his brother's chest. Pico fell, winded. Tell me! You really want to know? Yes. Look behind you. Ruiz still spun in place and saw his eyes reflected in the dark glass of the janitor's mask. Oh boy. <coughs> Excuse me. Fucking meet the pyro music. Um, <laughs> that's like, as soon as it said gas mask, I'm like, oh no, that's the image in my brain now is Pyro Team Fortress 2 from that one single shot in Meet the Pyro before it transitions <laughs> to the Pyro Vision. I mean, yeah. Pyro is the head of the three largest paramilitary organizations in the world. <laughs> it also just reminds me of that Eric Andre bit where it just says, We'll be back soon. Da, 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 da. Exactly. <laughs> Alright. Here we go ahead to continue on. <laughs> this still feels like a stupid idea, sir. Field agent Alcorn was sitting across from Agent Green inside of the white, unmarked Foundation van. The nine-man squad, with the addition of Green, was awkwardly squeezed in just one vehicle. Every turn pushed or pulled the agents around the vehicle as they hurtled towards 16 Hartford Street. You know you're disposable, don't you, Alcorn? Alcorn frowned angrily at Green, who appraised him apathetically. Don't take that personally. I'm disposable, too. We're paid to be disposable. If you weren't, you wouldn't be in the field. Green rubbed the ridge of his nose, then continued. There are numerous methodologies that could be safer. We could have brought more personnel, we could have gotten some snipers, we could have tried to lock the place down. Those would cost more in exchange for lower risk. But we're disposable. And as much as we like to pretend otherwise, the men in suits aren't made of money. Green leaned over and smoked into Alcorn's ear. As bad as it sounds, Alcorn, we're going with the stupidest idea because it is the cheapest. The van screeched with a halt. Green unholstered his pistol. Alcorn gripped his rifle, then pushed open to the van's back door, covering his squad as they moved to the entrance. Green sprinted to the entrance, then scanned the pillars inside. He entered, pistol still aimed at eye level, scanning corners as the members of Upsilon 18 slowly fanned inside. Ruiz stared at the janitor, stunned like a deer in the headlights. Pico slowly got to his feet, laughing lightly. <laughs> there you are, you beautiful thing. Over here. The janitor turned, making its way over to the sniffer. It kneeled in front of him. Pico patted it softly on the head. Ruiz was stunned into silence. See, the janitor here is basically... Well, okay, well, God is a bit much. Demigod, do you think? The janitor raised his face up to his master. I am not divine. Oh, but you are divine, my dear. You are. What do you think, Ruiz? I'm not sure what we'll do for a wedding dress. White on black would be fantastic, though. Ruiz recovered, again returning his aim to the sniffer's head. Pico simply laughed. You're threatening me with elastic bands, Ruiz. You're threatening me with stationary. Why? Why what? Why do any of this? What's your endgame? Why do you think there's an endgame? Hell, what was yours? Kill the critic, then what? Things would change. Nothing ever changes. Even now, nothing's changed. Everyone just changed places, but it's all the same. We're playing a game of musical chairs. You stopped the music, but forgot to remove the seat. You're you're wrong. I cut him out. I sliced him out like a cancer. His side jobs had replacements, but I don't care about them. There is no critic. Pico Wilson spread his arms wide. Of course there is. You're talking to him. 
We secure Alcorn. This floor is at least. We going up? Yep. Perkins, Dorfman, with me. Everyone else keep this floor locked down. Nobody in, nobody out. Perkins and Dorfman joins Alcorn's and Alcorn and Green at the base of the stairs. You first, Green. They swept upwards carefully to the second floor, spreading out to search. These names are just chosen to be hard to read. Alcorn's pretty funny. Alcorn yeah. and Dorfman. <laughs> You're not the critic. Of course I am. I emptied the seat. I get to take it. He would have killed himself. The key word being would. I got him first. Mind claim in his absence. Didn't you realize that? So, then if I kill you? Pico tilted his head back, cackling madly. <laughs> Go ahead, try, brother. Janitor, janitor, clean up the mess. And janitor, the janitor stood, turning around to face Ruiz. I walked towards him, arms raised, hands raised. Ruiz began to grin. And cut. The janitor spun around, tackling Pico to the ground, sending his butterfly knife clattering into a distant corner. Snipper struggled, trying to escape the masked figure's grip. He wildly clawed at the mask with dirty fingernails until getting his fingers underneath and pulling it off cleanly. Rewind. It's rewind time. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Oi, Sandra. The director sat comatose in her bed. Ruiz de Champ stood next to her, poking her cheek with his finger. Come on, Sandy. You might have fooled them, but you can't fool me. The director opened one of her eyes, whispering through her oxygen mask. Fuck her off, Ruiz. I've got the cameras on loop and the doors locked. Take off the mask. Sandra Paulson pulled it off and then yanked several fake IV drips from her arms. Damn it, Ruiz, what do you want? Well, for starters, I want to know why you're pretending to be unconscious. Sandra rubbed the back of her head. Suit got me. Drugged me out, not that it had any effect, of course. Of course. Fed them some bullshit about you leaking the play to me as well. Watch out for that. You what? Hey, calm down. First name that popped into my head, man. You should have popped up, turned up last night. I need to warn you. You seriously think I wouldn't know about the Hanged King? That's old school stuff. Everyone knows about it. Hell, I wrote a pilot for a sitcom adaptation. Hanging with the King, I think it was. Then why the hell were you running the show? I was being watched. Did you really think I'd turn into a stupid, crotchety old lady? I was an actress before a director. Ruiz frowned, thinking on her words. So who gave it to you? The sculptor. That asshole's trying to kill us all. The phone sitting on the director's bedside table started to ring. She picked it up, placing it to the size of her head, to, to the side of her head. Ruiz, Sandy, I need some help. I can't be in two places at once, and Felix is watching me. Wait, you've you've been talking to Felix? Yeah, we started hanging out or something. Still not sure if I can really trust him. Oh, he's harmless. What do you want? <clears throat> I need you to tell my brother. Figure out where he lives. Do you know where he is right now? No, but I I know where he's going to be tonight. Twenty-seven Rokan Avenue. The whole gang's meeting up for tea and cookies. Tea and cookies. Sorry, I, I mean in order to plan their attack in an exhibition that I'm not, not even going to be attending while the sculptor insists on using my name as the motivation behind a witch hunt. I'm not sure I, how I got those two mixed up. Can you do that for me? Sure. Uh, <laughs> any luck with the sculptor? One problem at a time, Sandy. The director placed her phone on the bedside table. She pulled an inflatable doll from underneath her bed, stuck it under her cupboards, then changed it into plain clothes. She locked her door. Fortunately, she had her own room and carefully lowered herself outside of the, on the window. They'd never know that she was gone. Sorry, I'm look. Uh, you just face the fuck out, huh? Yes, I do that sometimes. Ruiz's <laughs> phone buzzed in his pocket. He flipped it out, pushing it to his ear. Hey, Sandy. Ruiz, I've got an address. 16 Hartford Street. Big abandoned building. Fantastic. He has also met the janitor. Who? Tall guy. Gas mask. I have no idea who you're talking about. Sandra's phone buzzed in her pocket. She'd not actually returned to the hospital after her first escape. The nurses still hadn't noticed. Hey, Ruiz. 
Critic's dead. Oh, it, uh, worked then? Nope. Pico killed him. Shit. Indeed. Keep an eye on, for, on him for me. What are we doing about the sculpture? I'm working on it. Don't worry. Ruiz's phone started ringing. Sandy, I just had an idea. You know how I'm really good at acting? Two, Sandy. Go time. Two, Felix. Can you get the janitor to meet me at my studio? Need to ask something. Felix glanced at his phone, tapped at a few keys, then returned it to his pocket. From the snipper, Pico Wilson. Shit's gonna hit the fan. The janitor turned around, emitting his buzzing sigh through its gas mask. His phone beeped again. From the clipper, Felix Corai. Ruiz Duchamp's asking for you at his studio. The janitor examined the screen, thinking about the messages. It knew what had happened. It, inhaled, it ex exhaled another deep, buzzing sigh. Then it removed its masks and became the person behind, beneath the mask. The person beneath started walking to a coffee shop. And back and to the present. back to the present. Mr. Director, I see, I see. Sandra Fee of the stifling gas mask easily re reasserted her full body pin. The snipper began to laugh loudly. <laughs> oh, little Mr. Director, how would you like to play? These are all first little capitalized. Oh, ooh, wait a minute. Hold on. This is no, how they're coming, yeah. The director switched to a stranglehold, trying to block Pico's airways. All lowercase. No, I don't think that will work here. Just first letter of the sentence. Not on us, you know. Full caps. Not on us. There's four. Split personality, I think. There's four of him. Yeah. The snipper twisted, tearing his shirt off and using the leeway to escape the director's hold. His emancipated ribcage rose and fell as he panted madly. We aren't going to go down as easily as that, Miss the director. And we haven't forgotten you either, Ruiz. Ruiz shot two, two elastic bands at his brother's head. The first grazed Pico's ear, and the second snapped into his eye. He recoiled, covering his face with his hands. No, you see, this is not how it goes down. We can just restart. We can just restart, you know? It's not real. It can't be. It can't be. Pico ran maniacally to his pile of corpses, diving amongst his collected bodies. There is no control. It's an illusion, you understand? It's all a dream. It has to be a dream. We cannot live in the world where the world is lived in. Ruiz sprinted to the heap. Sandra pulled out a hypodermic needle from within her black trench coat. There is no valid response to a world that does not obey the rules, but not to obey its rules. I just helped the people leave through the most obvious exit. Am I some kind of reaper? Perchance a psychopomp. Hmm? Ruiz reached past the severed limbs, latching onto the only one with a pulse. I always wanted to pretend as though I was important. I fooled a couple of people. This isn't how it was meant to end. I was supposed to win. Do not let me die here. You are better than this. You can be better than this. Ruiz yanked his brother from the pile, Pico kicking and screaming all the while. Wasn't there something better than this? Do you hate me that much, brother? Our Jesus taught us some better than this. Our Adam knew us more. Sandra pulled the cap from the needle, readying it for insertion. This is not madness, brother. Sanity is as arbitrary as sinfulness. I committed no crimes here. You have no right to judge me. Ruiz nodded, holding his spasming sibling in place. Sandra plunged the needle into Pico's chest, pushing the sedatives into his bloodstream. We are gods, you and I, brother. Gods among a stupid and negligent populace. The sniper struggled shirtlessly. The sniper, not the sniper. Um, we aren't supposed to live like this. We're all creators here. The world exists for us. Pico's eyes drooped. We can't afford coherence. Ruiz dropped his limp, unconscious brother to the floor. And then there's a little break. <laughs> Agent Green turned to the far wall, startled by the noise. Alcorn, with me. Alcorn joined Green, the pair of them moved... The pair of them moved towards the stairwell. They carefully started moving upwards, hearing muffled yelling through the thick concrete floors. Halfway to the third floor, Alcorn's radio crackled with a message from his men on the ground. Sir, we've detained a man trying to get into the premises, calling himself the sculptor. Green turned, holding his hand out expectantly. Alcorn sighed, handing his radio over. Green talked into the microphone. 
How much resistance did he put up? None at all, sir. Held out his hands for the cuffs while grinning like a lunatic. Don't take your eyes off him. That man is considered a high-importance person of interest. We're moving him to the van now, sir. Good. Keep someone with him. You have permission to terminate if he tries anything. Over. Alcorn took the radio back, clipping it to his belt. He started talking as he followed Green upstairs. You think this guy's backup for Snipper? Not after what happened last Friday. He probably got... We are gods, you and I, brother! Green raised a finger to his lips, remaining silent as they reached the third floor. Oh, sorry. Um. We're at Ruiz Frisk Pico. Ruiz Frisk Pico for any concealed weapons. His pockets were empty, barring an old mobile phone. He picked it up and navigated through the screens, moving to sent text. Two Sculptor, 16 Hartford Street, I'm all that's left. Two of the Fuckwad Brigade, 16 Hartford Street, this is a snipper, hello. Fuck. Sandy turned to Ruiz, having pulled Pico's body up onto her shoulder. What? Suits and the Sculptor inbound. Fuck. My thoughts exactly. Battle plan? Be it before they get here. Alcorn's radio crackled again. He immediately deferred it to Green. Sir, we've apprehended another person. Green frowned. Have they identified? Well, sir, they're saying they're the sculptor. Green looked at Alcorn, concerned. Is the person previously identifying as the sculptor still in custody? Yes, sir. Do they look the same? Yes, sir. Terminate both immediately. Keep a lookout for more. Understood, sir. We've... Wait, sir, we have another sculptor attempting to... Wait. Five. Seven. Shit. Sculptor's closing from all angles. Open fire. Aim for the head. Everyone to the lobby. Green and Alcorn started sprinting back down to the second floor as gunfire echoed throughout the building. This is fun. I like this. I think this tale series is one of my favorites. Yeah, Sandra slowly moved good. back to the... Sandra... <laughs> Sandra slowly moved to the stairwell, Pico's body still slung over her shoulder. Ruiz moved down the stairs, aiming his elastic band shooter around each turn. I think we're, we're alone. The end of Ruiz's sentence was punctuated by echoing gunfire. The director massaged her temples in exasperation. They moved down to the third floor, looking out a window and surveying the scene below. Hundreds of sculptures were running through every street, swarming to the base of the building. Three of the suit's agents were shooting wildly at the horde, barely thinning the ranks. One of them threw a fragmentation grenade into the crowd. Metal pellets ripped through the swarm, breaking the illusion of flesh and bone, sending streaks of clay across the ground. Ruiz looked at his small wooden gun, suddenly feeling profoundly inadequate. Well, shit. Agent Green ran down to the first floor, Agent Alcor trailing behind. The members of MTF Upsilon 18 shot in short, controlled bursts with a horde of angry clay artists. One of them had blocked the front door with a metal pipe. Green saw one of the sculptors attempting to crawl through a window. He lined up the shot and pulled the trigger, leaving the clay body blocking the entrance. He appraised his pistol, a less than ideal weapon for the current situation. Green shouted over the gunfire. Alcorn, do we have a spare rifle? Alcorn shook his head. Green swore an unheard oath. The two of them moved to join the rest of the squad, taking cover behind the messy pile of broken concrete slabs. Every shot meant one less angry artist, but at the same time it meant one less bullet. They were equipped for an in-and-out raid, had a prolonged siege. The sculptors screamed war cries as they broke through windows, trying to crawl in over their fallen duplicates. This is all that 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 this is. The synchronous chorus chimed throughout the building, barely audible over the sound of firing bullets. <clears throat> Ruiz turned to Sandra, who had already pulled the phone from her pocket. Who are you calling? The real janitor. Sculptors directly tried to kill me. He's broken the rules. His protection is void. Mine, however, is still intact. The director tapped the screen, then put it to her ear. Ruiz looked out the window again. The crowd was thick, but no further duplicates were forthcoming. Ruiz pulled a stick of chalk from his pocket, then grabbed a piece of concrete debris. He wrote the phrase, Ceci nies pas un bom, onto it, then hurled it out into the horde. He grinned as it burst into a ball of flames, spattering sculptures across the ground. The person beneath the mask received a call. 
The person beneath the mask answered, muffling their voice with their hand. Director, you dropped your facade. Yeah, about that. Uh, Sculptor is the one who hospitalized me. Purposefully? Yes. Location? 16 Hartford Street. Understood. The person beneath the mask pulled the mask back over their face. The janitor sped across the rooftops as though skating on, on ice. Green, we've got to fall back. The squad continued firing at the now open door as artists continued to flood through. One of the duplicates had overpowered one of the agents, throwing his screaming body outside to be dealt with by his brethren. Alcorn gestured for his squad mates to retreat up the stairs to the second floor. Green emptied the last of his pistols clip into the skag hole. Clay skull of the closest sculptor, then threw the useless firearm to the side. He followed Alcorn back up the stairs, stopping to grab a length of steel pipe lying halfway up. Green shouted to the closest troops over the continued chanting, Block the stairwell! As the last of squad ascended the stairs, Green helped push a nearby pile of concrete down, squishing two overzealous sculptors below its weight. Another tried to climb over the blockade. Green bought down the pipe on his head, hearing a satisfying bong as the head deformed and it dropped lifelessly to the ground. <coughs> bonk. bonk. Sandy pushed her phone back into her pocket, joining Ruiz at the window. Pico snorted as Sandra readjusted her grip on him. Shannon is on its way. We got to glass until then. You have anything useful? The director pulled a grappling hook gun from one of the inner pockets of her coat. Great, let's get out of here. It won't carry all of us. Fuck. Alright. Ruiz looked at the win out the window, then pointed at an adjacent rooftop. Can you get there, drop Pico off, and come back for me? Takes a while to reload this thing. The best plan we've got. Okay then, see you in a bit. Sandra shot the grappling gun at the building, pushed a button on the side, and was pulled out the window. Ruiz looked at the as she climbed to the rooftop and started to respool the projectile. Unidentified person in the next level up, opening fire. Ruiz spun around, barely having time to duck behind a concrete pylon before being shot at by one of the suits. He aimed around his cover and lose a pair of elastic bands towards his assailant. Ruiz yelled incredulously, Excuse me! Please don't shoot! Thank you! The janitor jumped from rooftop to rooftop, finally reaching 16 Hartford Street. It jumped to the ground, sending sculptors scattering. It waved its hand towards a nearby duplicate, dispelling the anomalous and reducing it to raw clay. Nearby copies were struck immobile from a combination of awe and fear. The janitor buzzed a comment from its side as gas mask. You have broken protocol. This was a poor decision. The duplicates ran screaming from the janitor, each of them seizing suddenly before crumbling into dust. It walked fluidly through the building's front door, sending the sculptors fleeing up a semi-blocked stairwell. The suit continued to fire at the concrete pylon, preventing Ruiz from escaping. Ruiz took another pot shot into the general direction. Sandy, need some help. The director came barreling through the window, joining Ruiz behind the pylon. All right, all right, no need to shout. Go grab on. Ruiz grabbed Sandra's shoulders tightly. She pulled a small ball from inside her trench coat, throwing it hard against the ground. It exploded into a small cloud of smoke. Sandy ran to the window, jumping out and aiming at the opposite rooftop. For a split second, Ruiz felt his heart stop as they started entering freefall into the crowd of ravenous sculptors below. Then, the hook shot out, securing them to the opposite rooftop and pulling them slowly upwards. They pulled themselves up onto the rooftop, both panting heavily from overexertion. Ruiz stood up, dusted himself off, and looked around, confused. Where's Pico? Sandy looked around, confused. Shit. Doesn't matter, we're getting out of here. He can look after himself. Ruiz swore colorfully under his breath, joining Sandra in the rooftop escape. Agent Green had fallen back from the front lines. The squad was concentrating their fire on the stairwell below, and close-quarters combat and high-speed bullets make a poor mix. The sculptors surged through the hole, push pushing aside the concrete scraps and swarming around the closest agents. Two of them fell and were trampled by the stampede. Alcorn pulled a grenade from his belt, pulling the pin and counting down. Fire in the hole! He threw it into the swarm, thinning their numbers substantially. Green shouted out to the remainder of the squad. We need to maintain a choke point. Everyone upstairs. The second floor was flooded with sculptors as the remaining seven agents retreated up to the third floor. The janitor walked briskly through the first floor, tapping sculptors on the shoulder and reducing them to piles of ash. It waved his hand, tearing the illusion from the clay. 
Its mask buzzed as it breathed slowly, calmly, eradic calmly eradicating the plague. One of the duplicates turned, jumping towards the tall, dark figure. It impacted onto the janitor's shoes, the clay hardening as it cooked solid from internal heat. It scanned the room for movement, nodding when it satisfied it had cleared the area. The janitor moved slowly up the staircase to the second floor. Alcorn shot the last of his clip, watching the last trace around exiting its barrel. He threw the useless rifle to the side, picked up a stack of rebar from the ground, and stabbed it through the nearest sculptor's head. Green forced his pipe into the chest of a duplicate, spun around, then struck its head cleanly off its neck. The rest of the squad had resorted to close combat weaponry, their firearms spent. Dorfman spun like a dancer, slicing through clay with his combat knife, while Perkins had taken to simply grabbing heads and smashing them into the walls and pylons. The janitor moved up to the second floor. Hordes of sculptors surrounded it, refusing to go out without a fight. They moved in towards him, trying to tear off its trench coat, remove his boots, yank off its mask. They desperately struggled to avoid their innocent demise. They screamed in chorus, All that this is, is all that this is, all that this is, all that this is. The janitor clicked his fingers, and the assailants turned inside out. Jesus Christ. A yeah, he's, yeah. Agent Green stood panting heavily, staring at the piles of clay that littered the, littered the room. Dorfman flicked the last of the stuff from his knife, Perkins squishing a final skull beneath his feet. Alcorn walked over to Green, patting him on the shoulder while grinning from the adrenaline. Still alive. Still alive. Okay, alright, need to check the top floor before we... Green, stop. Mid-sentence, readying his pipe as a tall figure wearing a black gas mask ascended the stairs. The janitor looked around at the agents beneath it, kicking some errant clay from its boots. It walked towards Agent Green. Green readied for his pipe for an attack. The janitor stopped, then bowed deeply, kneeling upon the ground. Deepest apologies for the inconvenience. It will not happen again. The janitor stood, walking briskly to the window and jumped to the ground with a resounding thud. Green looked to Alcorn, then at the open third-floor window. Green calmly reached into his pocket, pulled out a cigarette, then lit it. He inhaled deeply, breathing out with exhaustion. I have no idea what the fuck's going on anymore. Ruiz walked dejectedly through the gallery lobby. Sandra had gone off to search for the real sculptor. Having lost Pico, there were no leads left. Pete, Mr. Duchamp, a guy came through here looking for you before. Who was it? I... Sorry, Mr. Duchamp, I've forgotten. Ruiz sighed. Incompetent fools, a lot of them. He turned the corner into his studio. A red-headed man wearing a Hawaiian shirt was sitting on the electric chair. The man was wearing a gray fedora. The gray fedora. Ruiz massaged his temples. God fucking damn it. The new nobody laughed, then clicked his fingers, sending Ruiz into a dreamless sleep. <clears throat> Agent Green and Agent Alcorn returned to the battered van, having thoroughly searched every level of the 16 Hartford Street. As they were about to get into the vehicle, Green's phone rang. As he flipped it open, he looked at the caller. Agent Tangier. Green tapped the screen of his phone. Unknown caller. He put the phone to his ear. Agent Green, who is this? How did you get this number? Ruiz de Champ is lying unconscious in the Geneshoft Gallery of Contemporary Art. Pick him up at your leisure. Who are you? A forgotten friend. Green flipped his phone shut, confused about the anonymous tip. The fifth of the f of first strategy. The fifth of second a Friday show. The fifth of last is settled scores. Concurrence, hence to never know. So, well, fucking boy, howdy! I with think these I tales. Think... Yeah. Nobody is tied to the hat, and he electric chaired the other guy and was leaving the hat there so that nobody would be nobody. And yeah. then Agent Tangerine wore the hat and became nobody. <laughs> Tangerine was like, "Yeah, fuck it." Why not? All right, yeah, I think that's all we're gonna do. For, I think that's all we're gonna do yeah. for this episode. Yeah, we'll save definitely. the last two for la next episode, which for sure will be the last one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really like the series of tales. I like their interpretation of the artist of being like kind of snobbish, but also a lot of infighting. Um, yeah, a lot of weird like artsy 
god like politics and stuff that doesn't actually matter um i like ruiz's kind like character a little bit the way he talks too and i really really like the interpretation of nobody yeah having it be tied to this object that presumably is not easily destructible and then the janitor being different too is interesting yeah yeah i think i think the way that that mask sort of um i don't know just like alters who they are i think is pretty cool yeah even Um, if that's just the narrative thing of describing it it's a really cool choice having them be different people because like for example they would never identify as the janitor when they're not wearing the mask Mm -hmm. and vice versa as well yeah except i don't know it's kind of interesting because they like like both the janitor and the person underneath the masks are like aware of each other's existence and are is comfortable with it because they're both willing to put on and remove the mask at will so maybe Um, so i think it's more of a persona and it's less it's less like these are two different people and it's more adhering to these rules of only like being and acting as the janitor when the mask is on see i kind of thought it was to protect the identity that that's that's that 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 works too i was kind of thinking of it as um the the only thing that i that i kind of likened it to was i i forget the names of them but in i I remember in homestuck there were the two um like green dudes that were like linked to each other through that uh ankle on their or fucking shackle on their ankle um and it's like the same person inhabiting the same body or two different people inhabiting the same body. That's kind of what I likened it to. Except yeah. in this scenario, they're like actually okay with each other. Yeah. And that <laughs> and works. Like and it's other. also kind of like if it is if it even is that, I feel like it'd be they were the same person, this janitor thing happened, and then they like split rather than yeah. being two completely different beings. They're like two versions of the same guy sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. It's cool shit. Either and either way, either it's way, narratively very cool. Yeah. And I think this would be my favorite series of tales. My favorite single... I don't think I have a favorite single tale. Because I would say like 1730, but that's a skip. So. <laughs> and I gotta watch Overlord. I, I need to do that. Um, there's so many like really good short films, but that's the one recently that got like awards from a film festival that was unrelated to SCP. And the cool yeah. thing about all of them is the way that the copyright works is they're not allowed to charge for watching them. So they're all every like high quality short films on YouTube, and that one had like a, a budget of. These people had money for it somehow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It is really cool. All right. Um. So yeah, I think that does it. That about does it for this episode. Oh, it's um, also half an hour long. <laughs> oh Jesus. And um. um yeah, wow. I estimated twenty three thousand dollars. Fucking hell. Yeah. Right. That's uh. That's fun. Um. Yeah. So yeah. again, that that about does it for this episode. We will catch you guys. In the next one, where we finally fucking finish this thing. Um, yep. It's been a good Finishing good ride. I have very much It's been a good ride. It. It's been so long. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. So it'll be like a six part. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Six parts. That's all Why for not? now. Till next yeah. time. See ya. Bye.